It's the Locked on Canes podcast where it's all about the U. I am your host, Fred Purdue. On today's show, we have a former Hurricane with thoughts on Miami's QB situation, a players-only meeting that we go inside, and the NCAA is paying players. Yes, we are talking about paying college football players. But before we get started, make sure you follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Canes and follow myself at Fred Purdue CFB. Also, don't forget to send us your questions for the Friday mailbag with the hashtag LOC mailbag. So let's get started. We have a former Miami Hurricane linebacker, John Beeson, who shares his thoughts on the Miami Hurricanes quarterback situation, which has been a bit of musical chairs because uh, it just with the injury to Jaron Williams, as well as Nikosi Perry, we've been playing a little bit of musical chairs and uh, you had Jaron Williams come in to save the day yet again uh, for the Hurricanes and we have a bit of a quarterback controversy now. You have Nikosi Perry, who has been solid in mop-up duty and clean-up duty. But, you know, Jaron Williams, just it just every time I see him play, minus the Virginia Tech game, I say he fits what Miami wants to do and what they've been missing uh, for over the last few years. You've had, whether it was Brad Kaya at the beginning of the uh, at the beginning of the Mark Rick era, which was a good quarterback, a solid downfield passing quarterback and that's what Miami lacked but Mark Rick wanted to go to more of a spread system where you had a little bit more mobility and then in walks Nikosi Perry as well as uh, Malik Rozier who took over for the two years before Nikosi came in and uh, in relief of him so you lost the downfield passing ability the pure pocket ability but you gained the ability to run the football use things like rpos use things like qb options use the quarterback power game the the qb run game that's great but when you at the end of the day the quarterback's job is to throw darts and push the ball down the field and quite honestly miami has lacked that for a long time um so in steps Jaron Williams, who I think is the better guy. Um, uh, he really reminds me of uh, of a he could have a NFL type of career, but he has to become more consistent as well as he needs to become healthy. Uh, Nikosi Perry, while a nice addition to the team and a, a bit of a changeup, he's more of your modern day smaller, slender, dual threat quarterback who may not be able to. Uh, see things as fast. He doesn't see the field as fast. And uh, your playbook is a little bit limited when you have him on the field. So uh, John Beeson, former Hurricane, he actually said that when he was watching the game uh, with his daughter and a friend that they were see when Nikosi was in, they were a little down. And, you know, as soon as Jaron came in, they got very excited because they saw uh, what what I'm seeing uh, a quarterback that can push the field push the ball down the field and quite honestly they had a feeling that he would take the team to victory and he did uh, some of the play I, I don't blame everything on Nikosi I can't do that uh, after that in that pit game he had a few drops by receivers but it just seems like a different team when uh, Jaron is out there unfortunately Jaron got hurt also had three interceptions in one game and it just it left a bad taste in everyone's mouth and you know unfortunately that was the situation that he was put in and now he's having to get not only get healthy but win his job back so uh, I think this is going to be a QB competition all the way through until the rest of the season uh, game to game week to week uh, unfortunately it's, it's Florida State week and it's a hell of a way to be put into a game but 
Uh, both guys can be capable. I just think I think Jaron Williams is the guy to take you to victory. Now, on the other side of the ball, you have linebacker Michael Pinkney, who practiced and also looked ready to play for against Florida State on Saturday. Uh, he was greatly missed, uh, although Zach McLeod stepped in admirably. Uh, he'll be back next season, hopefully, if we don't have any injuries. And I, even if they do, I think they're committed to redshirting uh, Zach McLeod, and he'll be that, that senior leader again going into the 2020 season. So he's back, and that's going to be a, that's a huge thing for this team. And quite honestly, the injuries have got to stop piling up on, on that side of the ball because of that. Um, Michael Pinckney brings not only a, a solid tackler, he also brings a, a guy that can uh, help out. He's the, he's the partner. He's the, he's the Robin to uh, Shaq Quarterman's Batman. And, and quite honestly, those two uh, in that linebacking core, they stop the run well. They can play the pass well. Those guys have so, many, so much chemistry together. And they've played over 40 games together. So those guys have been really, really crucial to this defense. And at no better time to, is it to get him back uh, than going up against Florida State because they're going to need all hands on deck against this team. And quite honestly, when I look at how this team is, is rocking on defense, uh, you saw the turnover chain. He's going to be a big piece of that, trying to turn turn the ball over. There, Florida State has some great athletes, whether it's McKitty at tight end, whether it's Tamari and Terry at receiver. Cam Akers is going to be the focus, and quite honestly, stopping the run will be the biggest piece of stopping this team. So, uh, you know, those were some of the, the things that, I, that will help with him. Now, speaking of players coming back and making impacts we had a few no we had a few quotables from the press conference today uh where you had safety bubble bolden who came in and and had a chance to start his first game last week uh after he was a, a transfer from usc he was you know when i look at how he played he is going to be a huge piece again being able to rotate multiple safeties and also be able to have that depth the depth is, has been lacking, and he's a good tackler. So he was solid, very solid. Uh, we also we also heard from uh, Ja'Kai Clark about uh, a a team only meeting of uh, a meeting of the minds per se for the leaders of this team. And you know there was there was a lot to say, and we will take a deep dive into that into that meeting. All right, so now we have a team only meeting. This team only only meeting was. Just something crazy because we never expected this team to fall. Seem like it falls apart uh, at the seams. Now, when I look at this meeting, uh, you saw multiple members of the defense, multiple members of the offense. Uh, it, it sparked because of the Georgia after the Georgia Tech loss, where you know we've been hearing about account, accountability and guys not showing toughness and guys not stepping up, and there's just been a, a litany of issues with this team. Uh, and it just seems like the, the atmosphere doesn't seem like these guys are all the way bought in to the process. They're, they're doing things on their own. And, uh, in a football team, you have to, you're a band of brothers going to go up against the world. That's usually the, the mantra that you're going on under. So, uh, when I look at how the, the fact that this team had to have this come to Jesus moment per se, that's one of the, it, it told me a lot about this team that they weren't a, a group that was together. Uh, this this truth session, as they called it, was an hour long, uh, and it was 
it was different from any team, which made the team feel different afterwards. Everybody got a chance to say their piece, and that was great. Uh, senior linebacker Shaq Quarterman, grad transfer, defensive end Trevon Hill, and senior receiver, uh, who was a redshirt senior transfer, uh, K.J. Osborne. Also, those were the, some of the guys that had a lot to say. Uh, just making sure they making guys feel accountable, making sure guys are understanding that it's that playing at the U is bigger than them. Playing at the U uh, is, is something that is not a privilege to everyone. Uh, Jimmy Murphy, uh, the walk-on, who he spoke t- to the team as well. Uh, he's a form. He came from the lower levels of college football, and one of the things he had to say was that how he was just so blessed to be a part of a team. Now that now he, you know, at, at another school, he had to uh, share a locker with two other guys. So that's three guys to a locker. That's huge. That's cr- that, that's just crazy in itself. But you know, not every school, not at these lower level divisions, have the privileges, the the money, the the things that go with the with being able to be a high priced athlete, uh, and quite honestly, uh, when I look at how that helped change the perspective of a lot of these players, Jakai Clark again, uh, one of the offensive linemen said he was blessed to to even be at Miami, being able to play there. Not everybody gets the same opportunity, so that was huge. And C- and slot receiver Mike Harley also spoke up about two starters who contributed greatly to the offense, uh, saying that they had been being selfish and they needed to do better. Uh, I have some some very uh, good guesses as to who those two guys may be. One being. Uh, one being uh, Nikosi Perry. I don't want to throw out names too much, but he may be one of those guys. Um, but, you know, when you're talking about selfish players, you know, you can't have that. You can't have a guy just go rogue on you. You can't have a guy that's just all about his stats, all about not getting injured, trying to make it to the league, or whatever issue you have. You know, you and the other guy may have been Jeff Thomas. I just I hate saying it, but he's just with so many signs say Jeff Thomas about it. The suspension, also just his lack of play after coming back from other issues he's had off the field. So those are two. Those are the two guys I have a good guess. Let me know what you think on Twitter, by the way. Uh, who do you think those two guys were? You can let us know on Twitter at Locked On Canes. But um, when I think about this meeting, I think. Uh, these guys are now being able to band together as brothers. And, you know, going into practice, the first day of this kind of th- after something like this, you use everybody's on their P's and Q's. Everybody's coming out with the same, with intensity. Everyone's coming out with a commitment. But after the rah-rah and the, you know, the, the adrenaline, when all of that stuff wears off, when a guy is, how many guys are running through, uh, the line on, on sprints. How many guys are finishing every drill, every play, giving it 110% every single time? How many guys are actually doing it? You know, when I look at that, you've seen a change in this team and uh, for the better. I think this meeting saved the season, what little is left of it. I mean, you're not, you don't have a chance at the playoff. You don't have a chance. Actually, you do have a chance at the, uh, at a, uh, an ACC Coastal, and we'll kind of get into that in a second. But you know, so much has been is available to you uh, with in that situation with this newfound brotherhood. Now, I did speak of 
Miami still having a chance at the Coastal, and it seems very bleak. Miami is 2-3 and three in the Coastal right now uh, with losses to Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, and North Carolina early in the season, and maybe they've gotten all the losing out of their system. But if Miami even wants to have a chance, even a thought of coming back in this thing, uh, Miami's going to have to win out and finish 5-3 and three in the Coastal, though. so that means they need to win their next three games. Uh, they also need a little help, a little, actually a lot of help. Uh, they need help from a pit team. Uh, they need them to lose at Boston College during the final weekend, which would mean Miami and the Panthers would finish tied for the final, being tied at the final uh, five and three if all others are four and four or worse. And the Hurricanes hold the tiebreaker after beating Pitt head-to-head. So that's huge. And Miami has a tiebreaker over Virginia, who is right behind. uh, They're also right behind uh, North Carolina. So um, when I look at how this this conference is, you know, um, and actually, I'm sorry, Virginia Virginia is about behind North Carolina. Uh, Virginia lost to North Carolina early in the season. So, and Virginia has also lost to uh, Virginia has also lost to Louis has losses to Louisville also. So, uh, this is it's a crazy situation. The Coastal's always crazy. Uh, unfortunately, Miami does not have a tiebreaker over Virginia Tech or North Carolina. So, if those two teams find ways to get in, you know it's going to be tough. And they have you, we need a lot of help. Miami needs a ton, a ton of help, you know, and when we talk about help, you you need you need turnovers on both teams. You need catastrophic things to happen. Miami's been in this position a couple years ago, uh, and it, it stinks when you're in this position because you saw that Miami hasn't lost a game by more than seven points. And you, the little mistakes that Manny Diaz talked about throughout this season, missed tackles, turnovers, Guys being not being completely bought in during practice and guys not doing their job, that comes back to bite you now when the team has kind of galvanized itself and had a second breath. Uh, it's going to be tough to finish, and they will have to finish that. Now, speaking of finishing, uh, one of the things that I've all I've wanted to see finished uh, in college football is uh, the the ability for the NCAA to actually go ahead and start paying players like they're supposed to be paid. Finish the process. You know, the NCAA on Tuesday announced that it will allow college athletes to profit from their name, image, and likeness in what appears to be a sweeping culture change for uh, for the nation's largest amateur body. And we say amateur in air quotes. Uh, the, the vague announcement that they made, though, comes with, a obvi- with obvious questions and what does it all mean. So let's kind of talk about that. Now, talking about amateurism and the NCAA, you know, it, it's not necessarily a direct topic of the Miami Hurricanes, but it affects the Miami Hurricanes because it all this all, whole thing started with Senate Bill 206 out in California where they they introduced a bill where college players can make can make money off of their name, image and likeness. And for all of those fans out there that 
uh, you, you remember the situations with the NCAA video game, whether it was uh, former players like A.J. Green or Johnny Manziel at other schools like Georgia and Texas A&M, where they were either signing jerseys, giving them away, doing autograph signings and things like this. They can't make their own dollars off of this versus a regular student who can go and market themselves greatly and just quit school if they have the greatest idea in the world. Uh, the NCAA is one of those things. It's a nonprofit organization, but it makes so there's so much money, billions of dollars made off of the names and backs of these college players who, if they get hurt in any way, if they have career ending injuries, they are no longer the responsibility of the school. And yeah, there's nice gestures, but quite honestly, uh, there are more players that are cut than ever because of this. Um, you know, with this process being started, uh, there the NCAA in California, the NCAA had to respond because guess what? When one state does it, a big football state for high school football, and that produces big time talent uh, year in and year out. Now the state of Florida wants to have a piece because Florida doesn't want to be outdone by its West Coast rivals. So. Florida now introduces it and see Cal with California, this bill would not go into effect until 2023. But in Florida, they're trying to get this bill done where it will actually be done as early as January 2020. Now, the NCAA uh, has restrictive rules uh, against name, image, and likeness in their bylaws. And that will continue to exist until the NCAA membership comes up with some form uh, of something better which would happen no later than January of 2021. So that's something that is huge as well in this fact. Just last month, NCAA President Mark Emmert said the name, Im Im the name image, and likeness issue was an extraterrestrial... Just last month, NCAA President Mark Emmert said the name, image, and likeness issue was an existential threat to the collegiate model and you know when i hear people like mark emmert or other senators or fans in general say that it's going to hurt amateurism in college football college athletics is the only place in in a university or even in life where you can uh, a person can uh, uh companies can can literally gain off of the name image and likeness of another person without any compensation and you can you're still limiting players even in the off season from working and not every player goes to the NFL the statistics are very actually very low for a player going to the NFL there's only 256 draft picks so every year and you do the math of how many uh, in uh major players there's over 10,000 college athletes so you do the math uh there's tons of players but not enough spots some guys are just not good enough so it's one of those things where the NCAA has been fighting this thing forever uh, here are a few specifics offered by the board uh, that voted on this on Tuesday after getting recommendations from my working group that has been in place since May the board said athletes must be treated similarly as non-athletes unless a compelling reason exists uh, to differentiate what else do you need college athletes go to work football they go to they go to these universities to play football they go to for academia second let's just be real about it a lot of these athletes would not make these rosters without being good football players they would not go to these universities without being good football players and they're going to play football 
if you actually knew the schedule of a of a Division One football player's life, you would understand it's more football than it is academia. Any changes must ensure fair and balanced competition. And when you throw these terms out there, fair and balanced competition, college football isn't fair or balanced whatsoever. Uh, you have, when, when it comes to the money that is thrown around uh, by boosters and people behind the scenes to get players to come to schools, I mean, let's be real about it. You have a guy in Tua Tonga Viola who also brought his family from Hawaii to live in Tuscaloosa, Alabama to play college football. They just uproot. I mean, how many parents are uprooting their lives to come halfway across the country to rural uh, rural uh, Alabama from Hawaii to do so? I mean, you have also you have. Other is you have other situations like what happens at Ole Miss, where Ole Miss was starting to get top recruits. You see that they're getting paid. Players are getting paid under the table all of the time. You can't prove it because there's no paper trail. There's nothing fair and balanced about college football. Uh, it hasn't been since the beginning of the sport. Uh, there are there must be differentiation between collegiate and professional opportunities. Uh, at the end of the day, if a, in this in this situation, if a local car dealership wants to give a uh, an advertising deal to a top player, they can do so. Uh, that's the, there is no difference between that. Uh, if you want a, a fully collegiate athlete, then you you need there. There's no actual uh, reference to that. You can't do that. Um, that's the reason why they call them student athletes. Uh, you might as well take the student off of it. They are athletes that just happen to go to school. So, uh, but on the other end of it, they're not—they're not professional athletes in a sense. Uh, you, I don't agree with the idea of paying players millions of dollars that play in college. No, let them go to the pros for that. But if a player wants to give his likeness to EA Sports or whatever video game company to make a video game, and they get a check for it—a ten thousand dollar check or so. You know that's their prerogative, uh, and that's not. I have no problem with that. In a situation like a Leonard Fournette, where he had he tried to create a t-shirt business, he can't even run his own t-shirt business because uh, of NCAA rules. So his parents had to be the 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 holders of the business until he left school. You know, and I think that will be differentiating from this. Uh, I think this issue will kind of bleed. It'll kind of be one of those things that kind of. They blur lines. I think players would stay a little longer knowing that they have the security of making a few bucks uh, that'll help them out uh, while in their college football journey. They don't feel compelled to go to the NFL earlier than they're ready to go. Uh, you'll see a lot more star athletes stay if that happens instead of going to the pros because while you're not making millions, a few a few thousand dollars extra every every semester will definitely help these college athletes because it's not the same for every athlete. And yeah, some athletes get free stuff, but when you're the walk-on at the back of the roster that nobody knows and you're struggling and you're a walk-on and you don't have a scholarship, things are tough. And last but not least, any change must protect the recruiting environment. We'll refer back to what I said earlier. Uh, these college athletes, they there is no there is nothing that is 
there's no integrity in recruiting. If you only the stories that I could easily bring up of so many issues when it comes to money and and just impermissible benefits that happen behind closed doors, the the hundred dollar handshakes and things like that. Uh, I'm not at liberty to give those stories, but uh, just believe that some of these things do exist and they are going to continue to exist because, quite honestly, uh, you know, college football is a pay for play sport. It just we just don't actually call it that. So uh, we will continue the conversation going forward, uh, talking Florida State a little bit more. We have I have a special guest tomorrow uh to to break help break it all down about florida state and we also have throwback thursday so we'll be bringing on a former miami hurricane player uh to to talk about their experiences with florida state and also on friday we'll have another special guest to come on to help us break all of the happenings from the week then we'll kind of review the week anything that's been going on on those sides guess what it's it's hashtag uh fsu hate week so Send us all your hate mail. Let us know what you think about Florida State. You can do that at sending that sending all of that over to uh, us on Twitter at Locked On Canes. Make sure you go follow us on there. Make sure you go follow myself at F, at Fred Produce CFB. Make sure you again leave your questions for us for Friday and for the mailbag using the hashtag LOC Mailbag. Again, that is LOC mailbag until next time folks my name is fred purdue i am your host this is the locked on canes podcast and we are out